Hey, what's happening, you guys? This is the Proclivity Podcast. And we were just talking about Emily's hair. <laughs> we were trying to decide on what it's called. So if any of you guys know what this is called, when you have half your hair up in a bun, but then the, is it the back half that's down? Mm, yes. So like a half top bun. <laughs> I don't know if there's a real name for it. If you guys know, we love to learn. We love to teach. We also love to learn. <laughs> and so if you guys know, let us know. Sh- shoot us a, a DM on our Instagram. And if you could tag us in somebody's hair post, even better. Even better. <laughs> well, welcome, you guys, to the Proclivity Podcast. We are here to do one thing and one thing only to help you live a healthier and happier life by giving you tangible tools that you can actually do. Simple and easy are not the same thing, yet when it comes to nutrition, it is actually quite simple. It gets convoluted. There's a lot of different information out there. It's also a reason why it's a $72 billion industry because if they keep you confused, you're gonna keep searching for an answer. Yet, guess what? Emily, do we have the answer? Mm-hmm. We do. I'm surprised you didn't say it depends. Um, <laughs> we do have the answer. <laughs> and it's called the proclivity method. If you are interested in being able to harness the power of metabolic flexibility and create a life that you've always wanted to live, that's what we do. We mix the two greatest things, a life coach and a nutrition coach. We create the proclivity method. We would love to have you. If you want to jump on it, Visit us, www.proclivity.co. Book yourself a clarity session with Emily and I. We'll party. We'll talk about half top lower buns. No, no, we won't. (laughs) No, we won't. Only about you. (laughs) Okay, we're going to talk about you. We're going to talk about you. (laughs) What we're going to be talking about today in episode 79 is something that I have been very excited to talk about. And that is relationships. See, we spend a lot of time with other people, particularly romantic relationships. And if those things are unhealthy, they can actually go downstream to our physical health and affect us physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, so many different factors. And we have a special guest today who truly is the best of the best to talk about this because she is a multi-tool. She's a Swiss army knife when it comes to being able to help people both psychologically, physically, mentally, emotionally. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Our guest is Brooke Whitley. And Brooke Whitley is a marriage and family therapist, personal trainer, and nutrition coach who specializes in strengthening the mind-body connection for optimal living from inside to out. Brooke especially enjoys working with couples to help find balance, love, and respect within their relationship and within themselves. Brooke is an incredibly empathetic person who is adventurous and a friend we would all want to have in our corner. So without further ado, please welcome to the show, Brooke Willie. Brooke, hello. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? 
I'm good. You're too kind. Mm. <laughs> Those compliments, which is something we're going to talk about with relationships, complimenting. Uh, <laughs> Y'all, if you're tuning in, you're about to just get smothered when it comes to relationships and relationship advice. Yet, if you're tuning in, it's probably because you, you might need it. Not saying anything, just saying something. We all could use a little help when it comes to relationships. Would you agree, Brooke? Amen, for sure. Relationships. Yeah. Isn't it, isn't it interesting that we'll spend so much money on like trying to understand our nutrition or all these like physical aspects, but we won't spend money on being able to understand ourselves and how we interact with other people. Yes. Yes. You are talking about why I always wanted to be a marriage and family therapist, even though I worked as a personal trainer and a nutrition coach mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. people were coming with uh, eating, eating disorders, mm -hmm. being overweight, not making time for themselves. Their, their body was changing because their family was changing and their relationships were changing. And I just knew in talking to people that it was about their families and their relationships mm. more than it was about whether they were doing the right workout or eating the right food. Mm -hmm. it, Emily, did you ever mm -hmm. have that as a coach? I'm like, oh, wow, there's more to this <laughs> than just the physical side. Oh, yeah, 100%. I tell people all the time, there's only so much I can do in terms of recommending nutrition habits and tips if someone's not willing to dig deeper and get to the root cause of why they're stressed out all the time of why they're having this, uh, <clears throat> central nervous system elevated all the time. Right. So yeah, you're, you're speaking, speaking our language. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is why for us at proclivity, we created the proclivity method because we recognized, Oh, wait a second. Mm -hmm. There's a psychological side. There's an identity side. There's a physical side. There's an emotional side. And when we start getting all those aligned, woo, it starts really, really getting good. So Brooke, how did you get started in fitness? How did that happen for you? Wow. That's a good question. Um, probably because I came from a family that, um, was not super into emotions. I would say we were more into, um, productivity and, um, athletics and sports and being really into achievements. Um, so I was very achievement driven and fitness worked for that. Mm. She's already tying in the emotional part. I love it. She knows exactly <laughs> what she's doing. And you, you've already touched on this a little bit, Brooke, in terms of like, okay, so I, I had maybe this little bit of dis dysfunctional pattern of not addressing emotions yet it's performance related. I moved into fitness yet. Then I started seeing like, Oh, wait a second. There's still a dysfunction even in something that can be so regulated, such as like performance, your metrics and one rep maxes and so on and so forth. There still wasn't being necessarily those results. So then what was the pivot point for you to go? I, I want to become a therapist relationships with other people, um, them not being able to be proud of themselves and gain the achievements that they wanted. Um, cause there were other aspects of their life that needed to holistically be addressed. Mm. 
and that they wanted to holistically address because they wanted to achieve some performance goals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you were able to, you, you are still train, correct? I do. I do. And so do you utilize the techniques you've learned both in nutrition coaching, uh, fitness coaching, and in your studies in, as a marriage and family therapist to help your clients in the gym? That's a really good question. I do my best to keep them very separate, to be honest. Okay. Um, honestly, ethically, as a licensed marriage and family therapist and as a certified personal trainer, um, I'm ethically not supposed to blend them. I can blend them actually in the therapy room. So as a marriage and family mm -hmm. therapist, we can talk about nutrition and exercise and I can use my certifications as a personal trainer. When I am in the role of a personal trainer, ethically, I'm going to make it clear that I'm not, your, I'm not their therapist. Um, that's not to say that many of my personal training clients probably don't keep coming back to me because I offer reflections and at least listen to their stuff about their family and their relationships, mm -hmm. to be honest. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Ooh, that's really good. All right, guys. So there you go. Mm -hmm. There you go. To be able to get all of Brooke, you got to get into her office. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. The personal, personal training, we're just like scratching the surface. Yes. Mm -hmm. Ooh, there's a plug right there. Don't worry. We'll give you some plugs at the end. I'll give you a plug too, Joel. There's a reason that <laughs> as a marriage and family therapist, I refer some of my therapy clients to personal trainers in town. I'm more likely to refer to you and Emily first. Um, because you guys are going to do more than scratch the surface of personal mm -hmm. training. Well, we appreciate that. And we, we, <laughs> we thank you. Yeah. And we know that we refer a lot of people to you as well when it tends to be like, mm, that's a little over our head or wow, there's a really big relationship issue that needs to be addressed here. Mm -hmm. And I know from some clients that I've sent to you, you've done incredible work. And they're in some good, really good relationships. So kudos yes. to you, my friend. Yes. I love to see relationships flourish. That was, <laughs> that was pretty much my main purpose in deciding to pursue marriage and family therapy. Mm -hmm. hmm. I love it. I love it. Well, let's dive in because the, the title of this podcast, I'm sure is getting a lot of people to pull in, right? Which is, is your relationship killing you, right? Mm. People are coming back, Ooh, what? Mm. So let's talk about this. Let, not, not just like, I know for a lot of people, when they're in a poor relationship, they look like, they feel like they're dying. They're mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, this is just so terrible. And I'm just like, I feel stuck and I'm, I'm, I don't know what to do, right? Emily, have we ever heard anybody use the word stuck? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Lots so, of times. Lots of times. So we want to bring parallels to you guys on whether your health and wellness is maybe getting, maybe getting up being a sticky point in your relationship, or maybe your relationship is really causing a deterioration in your health and being able to see, Hey, how can we help that? So Brooke, when it comes to relationships, can it affect our health? And if so, why? Yes. Short answer, yes. 
It, healthy relationships affect our physiological symptoms. They affect, they affect our health. Um, from a mental health perspective, this is um, going to be probably super interesting for a lot of people. Marriage and family therapists um, are, operate differently and view pathology in mental health differently than a psychologist, differently than a clinical mental health counselor, different than a licensed counseling social worker. The, the baseline premise of being a marriage and family therapist is if there's an individual with pathology, and sorry, I, I should use a different word than pathology, it's really just symptoms. Like, I should really rephrase an individual presenting with humanity, like they have depression, anxiety, panic attacks. That is what, um, in clinical terms, is pathology. A marriage and family therapist is gonna not see the individual as diseased or like they have something wrong with them. We're gonna see it that there's something within their family system that is causing them to feel sad, anxious, depressed. So the whole premise behind um, seeing a marriage and family therapist is hey, I have symptomology, I have things that are making me feel unhealthy in my body and my mind, and I need you to help me with it. And I'm unhappy in my relationships or there's something in my family dynamic growing up, something in my family dynamic now that is causing me distress. And that distress, you talk, you talk about symptoms in terms of words that we've heard before, right? Anxiety, and this is... A, to key this off, guys, if you listen to the Proclivity Podcast, we talk about emotions because emotions are going to be connected to the feelings that we have within our body. When we don't feel safe, we feel tight, we feel tense, food is not going to interact with us the same way. Recovery is not going to be the same. Your hormone levels are not going to be the same. We, we recognize that. So, Brooke, when you say anxiety, depression, right, these words that people know, do you see a also physical symptoms? I know you're not a doctor, but do you yeah. see physical symptoms with people when they come into to your office? Yes. So anxiety is going to look like um, rapid speech, sweating, um, raised heart rate, verbose speech, more specifically, the way that people are going to feel physically is, is unwell, right? What they come in with is, I have racing heart rate. I can't go to sleep. I can't calm down. Um, I'm waking up in the middle of the night sweating or with a nightmare, or I'm showing up to work sweating. Um, my blood pressure is raised. My doctor says that my blood pressure is high. My body isn't healthy. Um, my, my heart is leading towards heart disease like what can i do that's what you're going to see with um physical symptoms related to mental health and, and emily have we ever mm -hmm. seen stuff like that when we're talking to people yeah 100 i get a lot of people who are like oh i need to be working out more to lower my blood pressure and i'm like how are those stress levels <laughs> mm -hmm. we also see things like uh, rashes that come up when they get stressed. Um, things that you might not typically think as stress-induced or anxiety-induced that all the time, and a lot of, on my end, gut issues, right? If we can't get out of that sympathetic 
fight or flight state, our body, like Joel mentioned, we can't digest food very well. So we, we become bloated. Our motility and our digestive tract slows down and that causes a host of other issues. So 100%. Right. We know that the, the skin is one of the biggest organs of the body mm-hmm. and is very vascular. And so it's very quick to react to stress, to try to rid the body of stress. Mm-hmm. So if you guys are sitting there like, man, I don't know where this rash is coming from, or man, I'm breaking out more often, right? Or my eyes mm-hmm. seem to be bloodshot more often. Your body's just trying to dispel that stress. What Brooke is talking about in terms of anxiety, depression, nervousness, racing mind that is truly creating these physical reactions. Now, we know that there is an interaction that's happening with emotions and with the physical body. And that without it being addressed, it can compound, it can get worse and worse and worse. So when it comes to unhealthy relationships, what is it that is the cause of unhealthy relationships that you see? that you see that you that's you see is it because you know we don't see eye to eye or i lost you know my my love for that person or there's the passion's gone or they just don't get me what do you usually see that seems to be a, a revolving door when it comes to unhealthy relationships that you see so i'm going to use the cliche term communication but what i really mean is an over preponderance of criticism. And that is a relationship killer. And that stress compounded on two individuals or one individual leads to a super unhealthy body. Um, and it's just being criticized over and over or having poor communication during argument or disagreements. Mm-hmm. So you see people fighting about their kids. You see people fighting about money. You see people fighting about one person's health habits versus the other person's health habits. You see people fighting about um, how much relationship time they should stay together. So the context is less important than how they're talking about it. How are we going to resolve it? Are we going to have communication skills and compromise skills to resolve it and find a tolerance and acceptance and mutuality with each other as a couple? so that both individuals can be happy. And that's, you know, talk about cliche, but being able to find balance within a relationship. And when it comes to balance, both physical balance, mental, emotional balance, it's hard enough when it's just you. Then you throw a whole nother human being in there. Right? Who, when you first start dating, you're like, oh my gosh, you complete me. Right? <laughs> and then you let a couple of years go by, you throw a kid in the mix, right? Some two careers, and all of a sudden you're just like, no, you break me. What the hell will you complete yes. me? Like, you get the hell out of here. You need, yes. fi- you need to fix you. Okay? You yes. know what you need to do? You need to go see Brooke. Okay? Yes. Because Brooke's going to help you and fix. You need to go to proclivity. Okay? You need to work out. Right? You need to yes. do all of these things. Criticism. There it is. Boom. 
so what are what are people supposed to do when there is a unhealthy because it seems like communication is mm-hmm. key here and in in proclivity guys we talk a lot about our words how our words affect us and one of the killers is projections when we start projecting our emotions our insecurities our self-doubt onto our partner we are creating fireworks instead yes. of addressing ourselves and what we need to take care of for ourselves we're pressing it onto our partners. So if we know that communication and words really matter, how do we create a more fluid relationship? Dialogue. So how can you have a dialogue instead of an argument? Because arguments are what causes the physiological flooding, right? Mm. When we're not having a to and fro conversation and a dialogue with our significant other, with our spouse, with our boyfriend, with our girlfriend, um, we are getting flooded. Our heart rate is raising, our blood pressure is raising, we're getting sweaty. All of those same symptoms we were just talking about, right, that cause stress hormones in our body. They literally raise our cortisol and make us unhealthy. So how can we engage in a conversation with our partner that doesn't flood our physiological symptoms? How can we use our real emotional state, which is usually sadness, instead of engaging our angry emotional state, which is coming from fear, fight or flight responses? Brooke, I got a question for you. (laughs) I mean, I've had many, yet I have more. (laughs) I have found, and if anybody's listening, which you guys are, because you can hear my voice. Obvious, Joel. (laughs) When it comes to adults, it's like they're emotionally inept, right? Ask an adult, how do you feel? Yes. I'm I'm fine, good or bad. (laughs) Those are like the three like top responses. I'm fine. Mm, Feels good. Nah, feels bad. Okay, like there's times where I want to like pull out the sheet, draw <laughs> the faces, mm-hmm. and be like, yes. okay, are you this face? Right? That's, <laughs> that's concerned face. Are you concerned? Why is it that there's this disconnect? We, we teach our kids to try to tell us how their emotions are. But then there's like this massive disconnect to emotion, to how we feel, to how that affects our body. How come? I would actually say we're not teaching our kids the primary emotions. So speak, preach. One of one of the best things that I've learned, actually not as a couples therapist, but as an individual therapist, are the primary emotions and the function of each emotion. What I'm teaching is individuals and then individuals in a couple to be able to say, I feel. But I feel with a, an actual reflection of their emotion. But if we don't have definitions for the primary emotions or even know what they are, we can't use effective communication skills. So honestly, today, like talking about the difference between anger and sadness would probably be really helpful. We aren't teaching our kids what the primary emotions are, and we as adults don't know what they are either. 
And, and when you talk about primary emotions, is there like, it makes me like question like, oh, okay, is there like 10 primary emotions I need to know? Like sad, mad, happy. Tell me, Emily, did you go there? Did, did your mind go there? <laughs> yeah, I want to know. I want to know exactly what those are. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Um, you can Google it, and there's lots of different ideas. The mm -hmm. seven that I go off of are sadness. Let's see if I can get them all. Anger, mm -hmm. joy, mm. envy, Ooh. jealousy, shame, and guilt. Ooh. And those are the seven primary emotions we can kind of deduce towards. There are also secondary emotions. So all feelings and emotions are valid. They're all valid. Whether we're using the primary emotion when we're communicating is what I'm talking about. So if I'm in a relationship and I'm arguing with someone and I say, I hate you. I feel so upset with you right now. That's not my primary emotion. That's my secondary emotion and my reaction. My reaction is, I want to flee and get the heck out of this. What I actually feel is really sad. I feel really sad because I feel like I'm going to lose this relationship right now. Or I feel neglected, criticized, uncared for, X, Y, and Z. But we're not actually saying the primary emotion when we're arguing. We're saying all the secondaries. Which brings up such a great point. It's one of the points that we make in proclivity. Uh, people tend to, due to the fact of the diet industry, saying classifying foods as good or bad. Yeah. Right? I can mm -hmm. tell you this, folks. I'll tell you what food is not good. Gasoline. <laughs> okay. Gasoline is not good as a food. Don't eat it. Okay. Yes. Very dangerous to your health. Yet all food has nutrients and has something to tell us. Now we may eat a whole cake and trust me that food will have something to tell us. <laughs> Same with our emotions. People tend to run away from guilt, shame, anxiety, fear, instead mm -hmm. of being curious and going, wait a second. How come? Where's that coming from? Are you trying to teach me something? Fear? Mm -hmm. Anxiety? And instead of constantly trying to press away, I don't want to feel fear. I don't want to feel anxiety. And instead going, here, actually, anxiety, come here. Come sit next to me. Mm -hmm. you, you're my buddy too. Just like Joy is my buddy. And we allow that emotion to be there. Now, just like food, we're able to disconnect from this constant press of what's good and bad and this huge pull. Do you agree with that? Yes. You, um, I won't go into it too much, but you used a term or referenced a term in therapy called splitting, which is something is all good or all bad. And sometimes when someone's bringing up an emotion in us that we want to avoid, we then put them in the all bad category or put ourselves in the all bad category. Mm. Mm. So when it comes to emotions, folks, they're all valid, just like Brooke said. Yet, those emotions can get the best of us. When mm -hmm. we get into that upregulated state, 
we see the danger that's in front of us. We get really narrow-minded and we're just thinking threat, threat, threat. And when I'm in an argument with my wife, right, and it's like, man, you're touching something that brings up a lot of fear from my past Mm -hmm. because my mom used to yell at me the same way. Yes. Brooke, how do we get out of that narrow-minded state? Because one, we know it's not healthy. We're in a, like you said, we're releasing cortisol. It's all bad Mm -hmm. for our body, right? Maybe if you guys, I'm going to go out there, right? We talk about poop here on proclivity, okay? Get into a really bad argument. See if your stool is normal. You're going to be constipated too. You're going to have some diarrhea. There might Mm -hmm. be some head shaking right now who are listening like, oh my gosh, (laughs) that's true. That's totally true, right? (laughs) Yet, how do we get... How do we get out of that state? What are some some tools, right, to get out of that state when we're in this, like, I'm really fighting mode? Yes. Well, talking about the primary emotions, uh, in this instance, you brought up fear and you brought and you brought up anger. And anger, the function of anger is to get big and scary to create distance between us and the thing that's scaring us, right? So if you're trying to get your partner to be more distant from you, more distant from you, then use anger. If you're trying to create connection and heal, the function of sadness is to heal. So I'll just leave that right there. But the function of anger and to use it is actually to get big and scary if there's a bear attacking your family, not if you're being emotionally scared right? If you're physically in danger, then use anger and get big and scary. If you're emotionally in danger, anger is not the primary emotion here. Does that make sense? Big time. So if you can first tell yourself that, you might be able to regulate your nervous system and bring it down a notch. If you can't, right, your nervous system is engaging in norepinephrine, epinephrine, getting really stressed, I would disengage, right? That's not the time to work through solution and problem solving because you can't think straight. Mm-hmm. 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 So you're saying, uh, I love this, right? Because language is really important uh, to, to us and that pattern or what we talk about as a pattern interruption mm-hmm. is to be able to go, am I trying to protect my life right now? Yes. Yes or no? No. My wife doesn't have a gun or a knife in her hand unless she does. And then maybe I would say run <laughs> instead of fight. Yes. But that's a whole nother situation for a whole nother topic. <laughs> no, she's not a threat. She's not here to hurt me. Pattern interruption. Take a breath. And then what would be the sentence after that? I've now realized she's not a threat, right? Mm -hmm. My wife is not a bear that's trying to rip my face off. Okay. If she's not that, then what is she? I might ask yourself, am I looking to engage in a dialogue with her right now? Am I looking to talk and have a conversation or am I still looking to fight and win? I, I'm still looking for a fight. Then what? Yes. Good. That's good to know. You're still looking for a fight. Then 
the words that would come out of your mouth are, I, I need a break. I am going to take a 30 minute to one hour break. It's 3.15. I will re-engage at 4.15. I'll be back. I promise. I, I love you. I would always repair that little bit if you can mm -hmm. and say, I'll be right back. I need to self-regulate. I need to self-soothe. Mm. And for a lot of guys, self-soothing, and maybe even girls too, and women too, self-soothing, they, they might be like, what the heck is that? <laughs> okay, so now I've, I've gone through the process. I'm going to take us back. I've gone through the process. My wife or my husband is not a bear trying to rip my face off. Yes. Cool. Pattern interruption. I still am looking for a fight. That means I'm upregulated. My vision's narrow. My mind is narrow. Pause. I need to take a break. I need to take some time to be able to downregulate, get to a parasympathetic mm -hmm. state where my vision will go from narrow to broad, where I can mm -hmm. see solutions together. I leave. Brooke, what do I go do now? You know, I'm glad that we're doing this podcast with you, Joel. I have a lot of parasympathetic self-soothing skills for women and men. I offer them to men, but I actually think you would be a good resource for what would be more self-soothing for a man. What I mean is this. Obviously, there's no, you know, genders can, can switch. Some men really like bubble baths. Some don't. Right. That might be my example. Mm -hmm. the, the first thing I would say is take a hot or a cold shower. And I know you two are going to love this because of cold therapy, but you want <laughs> to change your body temperature. So mm. to regulate and get yourself out of the stressed state that you're in, you need to go take a hot or a cold shower, whatever feels good to you. The next thing I would say is to listen to a meditation. The next thing I would say is to go for a run, engage in an in exercise. If you don't like runs, I actually do this with clients in my office when they're dysregulated. And I say, okay, we're going to do 10 squats, 10 push-ups, and 10 sit-ups. And that alone raises their heart rate, gets them out of their mind, and they're focusing on something else. So... Therapists are known for cognitive refocusing. We're literally cognitive refocusing. From what you were thinking about, now you're just going to think about how you have to breathe. <laughs> mm. I like that. Yeah, that, those are some solid techniques. Emily, which one of those would you do? <clears throat> uh, workout, for sure. I love working out. <laughs> or go on a walk or sit outside. Something to bring my focus somewhere else. Uh, yeah, movement, walk, or get in nature for me. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What about you, Joel? I'm going to put this out there, guys, and, and, I, and I want you to really consider this. Really consider this. Is being able to create your safety. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is when I'm feeling really upregulated, it's because I'm scared. Yeah. As boys, as young men, we tend to want to go to battle and we'll fight because we're scared. 
we're fight because there's a fear. And a lot of times, not saying all the time, is because we are misunderstanding our emotions. We're uncertain about ourselves. And if you're not certain with yourself, it's going to be really hard to trust yourself. And so I go through this process, guys. I put my hand over my heart. Now I'm, gonna, I'm either going to be doing this laying down or I'm going to be doing it outside. Or maybe I am going to get into the Truckee River, right, and get mm -hmm. some cold water. I'm going to put my hand over my heart. That's to tell me and myself, hey, I'm safe. I'm here with you. I put my other hand on my stomach. So I'm in this point of wrapping myself up. And I will repeat to myself, Joel, you're safe. You're safe here. I love you. Everything's going to be okay. I got you. This is a self-soothing technique that I use so that I know I'm here for me. I'm here. Hey, Joel, it's okay. Because a lot of the times when I get ramped up, it's my inner child getting really freaked out and I'm having to remind that little guy, hey man, I got you. I'm, I'm in control here and I got you. And repeating that, hey, I love you, Joel. I got you. I'm right here. Everything's okay. Helps me start de-stressing. Okay. You, you do got me. Okay, cool. Right? And I know, guys, you might be listening to that. Well, that sounds kind of like, I don't know, your hand on my heart and saying I love myself. Like, I don't know. Like, can't I just do what Emily does and just go lift 500 pounds off the ground? <laughs> I mean, you can. Yet give that a shot and see how that feels. What do you think, Brooke? What I love about your suggestion, Joel, and what I love about a quick hot or cold shower is it takes two minutes. So how wonderful would it be if we could tell our partner, I just need two minutes. Mm -hmm. All I'm gonna do is go in the next room and I'll be right back. Mm -hmm. And you do that, mm -hmm. you soothe your inner child and you come back out as an adult ready to engage in adult conversation. And it took two minutes. Mm. And repetition is the mother of all skills, folks. Yeah. You gotta practice it. When it comes up, write your emotions down. Take some time. Okay. My second go-to is to take a walk, no phone, no music, no nothing. Come back, write it down. After I write it down, I read it out. Usually after I read it out, it creates some space to be able to go, you know what, that's, that's kind of silly actually. That's, I see. Okay, that was scared Joel in a super defensive state thinking that he was about to get shanked. And he didn't. Because it's your wife who loves you deeply and caresses your head and <laughs> lays her head on your chest and that you love so much. <sighs> okay, now you can come back and the first thing is just open arms. Like, get over here. I love you so much. Let me give you a little kissy. And we're good to go. How about 
open arms for a hug. Because what does a hug do physiologically for us? Releases the feel-goods. Yes, oxytocin. <laughs> it brings down our, our neurotransmitters that are freaking us out. Mm -hmm. A hug will restart a conversation. Mm -hmm. Do you suggest physical touch like a hug, handshake, holding someone's hand, rubbing someone's back? When you're back, you've realized, oh, shoot, this, I'm not in a sympathetic state to fight for my life. This is a safe place. I've done some self-soothing. Does that physical interaction help or does it dependent or does it harm? Yes. So what you're talking about is a physical bid for affection. A bid for affection is always a good idea with your significant other. And it releases oxytocin, so it's soothing to both people. You could sit right next to them. Let's say you're fighting. You take a deep breath. And you notice you both are flooded and up here. So you're going to take the initiative to try to co-regulate with your partner. You sit right next to them, thigh to thigh, and you put your hand right on their thigh. Mm. That would be regulating. A hug. Hold my hand. Mm -hmm. eye contact absolutely a good idea mm -hmm. barring no um domestic violence in the home i'm just going to say that little piece but mm -hmm. always mm -hmm. a good idea mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and speaking of physical touch I've, i i'm gonna i'm gonna bring this up because i have <laughs> talked to men about this and women about this where there's a fight and then there's the makeup sex <laughs> Is that like a, is that like a cover up? Is that something that, you know, do we encourage? Like, yeah, physical touch, good, oxytocin, we're leaving, but should we like, if, is it addressed or not addressed the problem? Do we just kind of come say sorry? But then, there's, it, it's, I don't know. Maybe you know more than I know, but I know a couple guys. I know a lot of guys. Let's, let's be <laughs> honest. Okay, who get like, I don't know. It's like the fight, and then it's like. Yes. Now all of a sudden they're six to midnight. <laughs> Joel, you just opened up Pandora's box. <laughs> Bring it. What I mean is it depends. Um, <laughs> does it make sense physiologically that when you're flooded, you want something that helps co-regulate you um, in your feel-good hormones? Of course, that makes perfect sense. Is that a healthy dynamic as a couple? Definitely depends on the couple and sometimes no. So is that um, helping a repair in physiological closeness? Yes. Is that helping a repair in emotional closeness? Not necessarily. So is that masking and not helping solve the problem in the relationship? possibly do i also highly encourage my couples to have sex a lot yeah of course i do <laughs> so many different yeah. ways that we can go mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um emily <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I, uh, <laughs> that makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that answers it perfectly for me. I think depending on yeah who you are and, and ask yourself, are we just doing this to make, make up for something else or does it make actual sense and it's helping? So I, I agree with you and it makes sense to, to think about it. It depends right on the situation and you and your partner. Sex can be a big issue in relationships. Yes, absolutely. What, what, what are the top three hits that you get in, in couples therapy? Is it, you know, we've heard like money, uh, physical attraction, um, self doubt. What, what are the, like the, the top three hits there? That's a good question. The only word that's coming to my mind is values. So all of those are values. So the biggest couple's conflict relationship hit is values. Um, probably top three values that couples argue about. Parenting. Sex life might, might be up there. Although I would argue that sex life is usually the surface level of emotional attunement being lacked. So we'll go back to emotions. And then number three, yeah, probably, probably finances and, and health. Health is probably a big one, substance use. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And coming back to what we've talked about is being able to communicate and being able to get into a more balanced state when yes. it comes to uh, agreeing or understanding each other on those levels. Yeah, yeah, because if you label something as good or bad, then you're communicating ineffectively with your partner who has a different perspective than you and they're allowed to have a different perspective than you. So if you communicate it as a value, your partner can engage in that conversation with you. Mm. If you say it's a really shitty way to live to drink that often, your partner is going to engage in defensiveness. If you say, I think you value social drinking more than I value social drinking, and I feel like we have a value difference, now that person can engage in an adult conversation with you without feeling defensive because they've just been criticized. Mm. Which then brings it back to the whole point of, then we get into the sympathetic response, and we're in the sympathetic response, we're fighting for our life, yes. right? Uh, when we're in that response, we're releasing all of that adrenaline. It's n now we're not digesting the same way. We're getting diarrhea. We we're pissed off. So now we're eating all the different foods and now we're not waking up early to be able to get the workout in. So then we want to blame our partner for pissing mm -hmm. us off from the night before. And now it's your fault. Yes communication is key here and learning how to communicate learning those emotions and how to be able to be vulnerable and say how you're feeling being able to self-soothe these are all tools to be able to help us come closer in a relationship and i know that 
we've we've talked this analogy before. Uh, I think to both of you guys actually of like the the um, teeter totter, right? The the farther the lever on a teeter totter, the more sways of ups and down. The higher the teeter totter is, right? But the more the shorter it is, it's kind of just like a little uh, up and down. And when we're on far ends, it's like emotional, super high with some person while the other person's like, why are you so crazy way up there? And then there's a flip and now they're all way up and the other person's like, why are you so worked up? But if we can start coming together, we can have these little sways in emotion where we can go and self-soothe and regulate for two minutes, come back out, be able to put hand on thigh, be able to look our partner in the eye, be able to say, hey, you know, I want to apologize and your partner to be able to give forgiveness, to be able to give a kiss and then maybe go have sex. I don't know. <laughs> mm, this is real good. <laughs> Emily, are you having fun? Yeah, this is great. <clears throat> yeah. I have a question on, uh, on that values part. So some people might be listening and thinking, okay, that makes total sense how to rephrase that. But we've been in this habitual yes. way of communicating our whole lives, right? So what is what's a way to remember that when you're in that that position, right? I mean, like, how, what did Brooke say? Like, how do we do this? How do I rephrase this? Is there a go-to for you? And thinking, other, you know, I, what comes to mind for me is like, okay, go back to the values. What what do I value differently than them? But is there something else that you go to for that as a tip or tool? Yeah, probably the best tipper tool is these are values and it's my value and mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be their value. So I've been in very committed relationships, right? I've been married and divorced. I've been in two other committed relationships and um, I know how this dance works, which means there's a balance, talking about the teeter-totter, between mm -hmm. Are my values being honored by my partner? No, they're, they're not. Okay, now what do I do? Do I just mm -hmm. leave this relationship or do I implement tolerance? So the answer to your question, Emily, is tolerance. Like, these are my values. They don't have to be my partner's values. Is it nice when they are? Yes. But if we start saying that every couple has to agree on values, then we'd have a lot of divorces, which we do. So I'm in the game of keeping people together and keeping divorces not a part of the trauma within families anymore. So the answer is, it's okay if I implement things differently than my partner implements things. Mm. And how can I tolerate and operate within that? Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. So going back to, <clears throat> yeah, wh what am I willing to tolerate? How can I shift my perspective on that and how I communicate that? That makes sense. Now, is that really invalidating to people, right? Yes, it is. Which is like, how am I supposed to stay in this relationship when I'm so unhappy, though? So it's really invalidating for a therapist to say, tolerate, right? Mm -hmm. So... Mm -hmm. I get that as a therapist, and that's not the full solution. The full solution mm -hmm. is how do I communicate this more effectively then to get my partner mm -hmm. to engage with me? If they're not mm -hmm. engaging with me about what I want to talk about, I can probably 
improve my language and communicate and get them to engage better so that we can compromise and come to a solution that works for both of us to stay in this relationship regarding this value. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Did I answer your question, Emily? Yeah, yeah, and it was leading exactly to what the specifics of what I was questioning is like, how do I improve my language if you're just starting out? Right, and I know okay. a lot, of, we work a lot of that and you help people with that specifically, but are there any simple, simple go-tos to reframe yourself where you're like, man, I'm, now I'm practicing reframing my language. How do I start implementing that? Yeah, yeah, um, two, two simple resources and then one simple thing. Um, I and we statements avoid you statements at all costs. Mm -hmm. Literally, never say never, but do not use (laughs) you in a dialogue with your partner. You can reframe using I and we for every sentence, almost every sentence you need. Mm. So I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'm feeling tired, and I would love it if we could engage in solutions regarding this thing. Mm. We could do such a better job at this, right? We mm-hmm. lack connection. We, we statements and I statements. So if you stick to that in an argument with your significant other, most likely you, you will not engage in the defense mechanisms, which are fight, flight, or freeze, right? So you're trying to avoid your, the person across from you from getting defensive. So stick with I and we statements. Perfect. The two, yeah. res- the two resources, do you guys want them? Bring it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Gottman Institute. If you have not heard of them, if you are in a relationship and you're struggling with relationship communication, just Google the Gottman Institute. They have resources available online. It's so great. Could you find a couples therapist? Yes, you could, that would be great too. But the Gottman Institute, um, the Gottman Four Horsemen, the Gottman, um, you could Google that, Gottman Four Horsemen. Uh, The other book I have with me, which is perfect, is called The High Conflict Couple by Mm. Alan Frazetti. Beautiful. And those two resources, I would just study up. They're really great. Hmm. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Now we've, we've covered a lot today, guys, and relationships are dynamic. Okay. Just like you yourself are dynamic. And here at Proclivity, we really believe investing in ourselves. Emily and I invest in ourselves. We're literally looking to invest in ourselves in the next month. And it's a a high amount of money. And we do that because even as coaches, even as therapists, we know we need a guiding hand. And so if you're out there and you haven't gotten a therapist, you haven't gotten a coach, and you're trying to crawl yourself out of a brown paper bag with no flashlight, reach out reach out, reach out to Brooke, reach out to Emily, reach out to me, reach out to people you know and trust and who are educated to be able to help. 
Because when you find that you can get out of that cycle or that pattern, it is well worth the investment, the investment mm -hmm. of your time, your emotions, your finances, without a doubt. And Brooke. Yes. Hey, Joel. Hey, Brooke. <laughs> One of the questions, because with this whole thing is to talking about, hey, how it affects our health. Have you had couples who you've worked with for, say, three to six months who came in physically looking X, Y, Z, and mm -hmm. six months later, you're not doing any nutrition or diet plans or anything else. Was there a physical change? Did that happen? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I don't get to do the blood work as a therapist. I mean, I could request it and see their blood work mm -hmm. changes. Their physical appearance in their body language and how they carry themselves. Are they slunched in session or are they upright, bushy-eyed, excited to tell me things? I've seen it with couples and it's because there's some sort of grievance or emotional attunement that they wanted and needed to engage in their relationship and they found it and it's life-changing. I don't know what else you guys need. I don't know if you want to change your life, but life-changing sounds <laughs> real dang nice to me. So, Brooke, we ask this of all our guests at the end of the show. Why? Because usually the last thing that they hear, they remember. Mm. What are the top three tips? And you've given some great stuff throughout this entire time, right? Self-soothing, um, avoiding you statements. What are your top three tips that you would give when it comes to creating a healthier relationship? I am going to take from the Gottmans. I brought them up before. They are the best researchers in couples, relationships, and healthy relationships that don't end in divorce. So that's kind of what we're all looking for. If you want to research keeping your relationship healthy, that would be your go-to. Number one, accept influence. Number two, dialogue about problems. And number three, practice self-soothing. And self-soothing has a lot to do with your physical health. So accept influence from your partner, dialogue and talk, and take care of your health. And, and give me, the, give me the, 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 the tangible there in that, okay. the first two, <laughs> right? We talked a little bit about self-soothing and the tangibles there. Mm -hmm. um, but like, let's talk about the first two. What does that look like for someone? Okay, accepting influence. That would look like listening. So when we're fighting, we're often listening to respond. We're not listening to hear. So accepting influence means you have shared with me that you would like me to make the bed every morning. I'm going to accept your influence that it's an important thing and I'm going to do it. You have told me that you would love me to eat the vegetables that I cook at dinner every night. I heard you and I listened instead of responding that, you know, you're a big asshole and you think I'm fat and I can't believe you. That's not what that person just said to me. They just said, would you mind eating the vegetables that I cook at dinner? 
So accepting influence often looks like listening. Mm. A tangible way to do this is to write in a journal. So you have a couple's journal and you write, I like to call it a gratitude journal. So you and your significant other every day or as often as possible write in a gratitude journal. And by using gratitude instead of criticism, like I'm so grateful that you've been cooking with vegetables and I'm grateful that you engage in the family and cook dinners. That allows the other person to accept your influence because you're praising them instead of accepting influence because you're criticizing them. So Mm -hmm. a journal where you write to each other is a really easy way for couples to accept influence from one another. Mm. I love that. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking to myself, like, (laughs) there's a journal out there just writing, you know, just, hmm, did my wife uh, read anything to me? No, no. I know she didn't because she doesn't exist, but maybe someday. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice if there was a journal and she wrote to you in it? It would be nice. You know what? So I'm just going to move on to the self-soothing. I'm just going to go to number three. Uh, just bypass that for right now. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. What's the, the second one? What's the tangible for the second one, the dialogue? Number two is dialogue about problems, which actually that gratitude journal Mm. helps with that too although i'm spinning it so instead of you dialoguing in the journal about like it would be really great honey if you did this i would say it was really great honey when you did this the other day i'm so grateful Mm. um so that is a dialogue that makes it a little easier because we're not right in front of the person so we can we can think about it and then write back Mm. Mm -hmm. love it I love it. You know, one of the things that uh, is, is you, you, I mean, come on, guys, you know me. I like, I like shooting a little, you know, I, I, I shoot for Mars so I can hit the moon, <laughs> okay? One of the things that I have challenged, particularly men to do, is this. You have to ask nine questions for one statement. Now, a lot of people are like, whoa, that seems like a lot of questions. Exactly. Because by the time they get to four, they've already figured it out. Like everyone's <laughs> feeling better. Instead of guys feeling like they got, oh, okay, you asked me a question and I give you nine statements. No, stop that. <laughs> Go ahead and give that a shot. I know it. I, listen. It all depends. I know Emily and Brooke, right? It all depends, right? You guys are going to throw that at me. Yet, give it a shot and see what happens. You can be counting on your fingers and they don't even have to know, right? Just be touching on your fingers. Okay, that's two. Okay, that's three. Okay, that's four. And see what happens. Most likely, she'll get to the end and she'll be like, thank you for listening. And you're like, what just, what just happened? It, am, am I excused? Are we done here? Is that it? You're happy? I don't, you're holding my hand? Are we about to have sex? What? That's an excellent tip, Joel. Ask questions. I like the nine to one. It's a good tangible tip for either gender, either significant mm-hmm. other. True. Truth. Truth. And the last one, the third one, which one was that again? Practice self-soothing. And those That's are the kind of what we talked about today. Yeah, those are the techniques that, that that we talked about. Awesome. 
I will say a little um, tangible tip. I have not purchased for my therapy office yet for couples. I want to purchase it. I was going to do a little more research, but um, a blood pressure monitor or a heart rate monitor. So in the middle of an argument, if you or you have an Apple Watch, look at your heart rate. <laughs> if it's a, above 100 beats per minute, just stop. Just don't even keep <laughs> arguing and go practice self-soothing. Mm. So they recommend that couples do that in our office so that we can say, hey, hold on a second. Let me check your let me check your heart rate. Let me check your blood pressure. You see how elevated that is? Mm-hmm. Isn't that isn't yeah. that interesting? We do it in like um, Orange Theory and other gyms, <laughs> right? Where we're tracking the heart rate. Wouldn't it be just awesome if we were just like cool, whether for us, right, or you, Brooke, right? Yeah. You just have a TV that's behind their head and you're just yes. watching their heart rate going up. And like, listen, you're you're scoring too many splat points here, <laughs> bud. Okay, because you're about to end up splat. You need to bring that heart rate down, okay? You just came up with a brilliant business plan, brilliant plan for therapy office. I need to see heart rates. I need to see blood pressure. I need to see all of that. Mm -hmm. I love it. Mm -hmm. And in the end, guys, we repeat this so many times, being able to find a healthy body and a happy life isn't just making sure you're counting your macros, isn't just making sure that you're getting the high intensity workout or the aerobic workout or your strength workout. That is such a small piece because we hear it quite often and a lot of hard chargers will say it, right? 90% is in between the ears. 90% is mental, 10% is physical. How many times have we heard that? Yet, are you investing 90%? Hmm, no, you're investing 90% in the 10% and hoping that you're gonna get the 90% out. Mm -hmm. Doesn't work like that, guys. Doesn't work like that. So again, we behoove you, if you're having relationship issues, if you're having your own personal issues, go seek help. And with that said, Brooke, how would people get a hold of you? Can they follow you on Instagram? If people want to know more about you and what you do, how do they get a hold of you? I would recommend they shoot me an email, mm -hmm. brookeawhitley at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. So that's Brooke with an E. A Whitley at gmail.com. Um, they can find me on Instagram, mindbodybrook. So that's at mindbodybrook. If you are a therapy client of mine, um, I will not be friends with you on Instagram, just putting it out there. So that is a good place to find me, to reach out. I will refer you to how to sign up with me for therapy, and then we will terminate our social media relationship that's a dual relationship convoluted ethical thing we won't talk about it too much but you can find me at mind body brook um, you can also reach out to great base and behavioral health that's where i work as a therapist and you can sign up for therapy just to ask for brooke whitley again that's great base and behavioral health beautiful beautiful emily anything else before we wrap this this bad boy up Oh, thank you so much, Brooke. I'm excited to chat again. I know a lot of people are going to be loving the information you gave out today, and I know there's a lot more topics we can go over. So I look forward to chatting again. 
Yes, you guys have been fun to chat with. There's so much to talk about with relationships. And you two are very smart ones to engage with. So thanks for your time. Of course, of course. You guys, what a treat to be able to have Brooke on today. If you listen to this episode, like it, share, comment. This is what we're all about, is being able to give tangible information that you can use in your life. We give all our secrets away. We want people to live healthier and happier lives. And again, if you're sitting there going like, wow, this is what they're talking about and best days ever and happy relationships and they just had a therapist on that said that they should have sex every single day. <laughs> yes, I want that. Reach out to us. We, we want sex every day too, okay? Truth. W, w, w truth, hashtag truth. <laughs> best day ever, okay? Reach out to us, www.proclivity.co. We'd love to be able to talk to you about what we do um, here at Proclivity. And, of course, reach out to Brooke. She's incredible. We refer all of our clients to Brooke if she has time to take them because she's getting busy because she's that good. Uh, Brooke, thanks again for coming on the show. Uh, we'd love to have you again. We'll get even deeper next time. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. All right, you guys. Until then, best day ever. <laughs> ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>